So I want you to open your Bible with me or your cell phone or iPad or whatever. I, I, I decided to like join the 21st century and I have my Bible on my, uh, on my computer screen or my tablet uh, today, so I'm joining you in doing that. But open to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. When you take Dr. August's class and you get about halfway through your first semester, uh, I do not encourage you when you begin translating Greek to jump to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, it's going to be a challenge for you because in reality the entire chapter is one sentence. Now you can't get away with that in your papers, but the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Greek can, okay? And so that's what it is. He begins the chapter by saying, for this reason, and he's, he's about to tell you that he's, he's going to pray, then he gives you all kinds of amazing stuff about who Jesus is. And it's not until chapter, verse 14 of the chapter that he comes back, and that's where we're going to pick up reading. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom... The whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so he said, this is what I'm praying for for you. And then he gives us his prayer. Number one, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So that's my first prayer request for you. That you be strengthened through his spirit's work. Number two. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Say, well, if you've trusted Christ, he, he is in your heart, right? Yes, but living in that reality, trusting Him day by day and moment by moment. That He may live in your hearts through faith. And then number three, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It, catch that for just a minute. This is his prayer, but catch the last part of that. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that what Christian maturity is? That we mature to the point of being filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that... Isn't that why we read? Isn't that why we pray? Isn't that why we study? Isn't that why we worship? Isn't that why? I mean, we're trying to become more like Christ. Now, how does that happen? Well, according to Paul's prayer here, he says it happens when you are able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length or the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ, which, by the way, passes knowledge. What does that mean? Well, it means that you are going to be growing or should be growing in your knowledge of the love of God your entire life, but ultimately it passes our ability to fully comprehend. But he says, that's my prayer for you, that you can understand it better today than you did yesterday and better this afternoon than you did this morning, better tomorrow than you did today. To be continually growing in your understanding of how much God loves you. You know, 
we know that God loves us. That's why I, I've been in churches all over the, the country and in other countries of all sizes, of all ages, and nobody ever gets over that childhood song, Say Cristo te ama. Yes, Jesus loves me. And I want you today to know the love of God. I want us to start this way. I want you to just bow your head. And I'm going to ask you to pray first today. I'm going to ask you today, Lord, in these next 30 minutes, help me to gain a better grasp of your love for me and how I should respond because of your love. Would you do that? Just take a minute, put it in your own words, in your own way, but ask God to help you to maybe use Paul's words, maybe just turn this into your own prayer. Lord, help me to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the depth and the height of your love. And help me to know how to respond to your love. Father, we say it so often. We go tell it on a mountain. That you love us with an everlasting love. And yet, Father, in the day-to-day, it is so easy to let that, that simple statement, yes, Jesus loves me, become hollow. And Father, I pray that in these next 30 minutes that you would remind us and then having reminded us, carry us deeper into your love than we ever have been before. And Father, as we understand your love, God, I pray that we would respond to your love in a proper way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want you to listen to the Word of God. You can take down the references if you would like. I want you to listen to the Word of God concerning God's love. Psalm 26, verse 3, For your loving kindness, your chesed, is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. Psalm 37, 7, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your loving kindness, listen, is better than life, my lips shall praise you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. 
But God demonstrates His own love toward us in this. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died, and and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. But listen, He makes intercession for us. Wow. Jesus praying for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Behold, what manner of love, 1 John 3, 1, the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us. Because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And yet it has not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we will be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as He is pure. What amazing love that God has for us. Just in those verses alone. And there are so many more that tell us of His love. The more we understand the love of God, the more it compels us to respond. See, so so often we think about how can I just help my Bible study group understand what they need to do for God? How can I just motivate Christians to share the gospel? When you're a pastor, you, you say, how can I just... Get my people to do the work that needs to be done around here. How can I I repair relationships problems in the church? How can I just help these two Christians see how that they need to love and help one another? And we struggle with that and we try to figure that out and we try to figure it out in our own lives. How How come I can't get past this? 
Listen, the answer is to know the love of God. And the deeper you know the love of God, the fullness of Christ begins to indwell your life. See, I learned a long time ago as a pastor that I will never fully motivate people, no matter how good of a motivator I am, to be all that they need to be. I just can't do it. And, and when you try, you just, you're just beating your head against the wall. But if I can help people understand the love of God, something begins to change in their lives. So how do we respond? Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We love Him because He first loved us, John tells us. We sing a song, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, but we remind ourselves, because He first loved me. The response to the love of God is to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Matthew chapter 22, the scribes and the Sadducees, the Pharisees are gathered and saying, how are we going to make the crowds turn against Jesus? Well, we'll trick Him. And so they come up with their, their different groups, come up with, the, this is the question that's going to show Show the crowd that Jesus isn't so smart. And they'd come and they'd ask him a question. And, and every one of them, it's just, it's just like, okay, guys, you, you, this, is, this is child's play. He just turns it around over and over. And in verse 34, we read this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the... Greatest commandment in the law. Now, guys, this was, this was smart. This was smart. Because you see, a lot of the tensions had been, Jesus was exposing the fact that they really weren't talking about God's law, they were talking about their own. In fact, he told them more than once that you've exchanged the commandments of God for the commandments of men, but you pretend they're the commandments of God. And so... Jesus never came, don't, don't miss this, Jesus himself said, I did not come to destroy the law. That is not what he came to do. He came to fulfill it. The law of God has not changed. So they come this time, and instead of debating their law, they say, which is the greatest commandments in the law? They're going there, and they think they got him, because how do you choose which of the commandments are greatest? And so you know Jesus' answer in verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He says, let's boil it down. The number one thing you need to do is love God with everything that you are. 
depending on which of the Gospels you're looking at, you might hear heart, soul, mind. You might hear heart, soul, heart, soul, strength. And on one occasion, you have all four. The point that Jesus is making is with everything that you are, you love God. With all your emotion, you love God. Listen, if, if we were passionate about God, then the passions of this world would fade. You love Him with all your mind, your intellect. You love Him with all of the strength that you can muster. You love Him the most. But He says very much on the heels of that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when he says on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets, he's saying, listen, you can take all of the commandments that God has given and you can boil them down to they relate to these two issues. They either relate to loving God or to loving others. So that is why it's the greatest commandment to love God. And then, to love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the problem. If we do that in our own strength, we will fall short. We get the cart before the horse. We must understand the love of God. And the more we understand He loves us, the more we will love Him. Say, well, what is love? Well, I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. What, what, what is Paul saying in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He's saying that love's the priority. You can do anything else, but if you don't love, it doesn't matter. So now he gives us a, a description of love, or if we want to be alliterated, because this is the closest thing you're going to get to a sermon today, for me anyway, is the priority of love, but now he turns to the practice of love. Agape or agapeo, the, the various forms of the word, is a benevolent kind of love that does what is best for someone else, not necessarily what they want or what you want, but what is best. That's a, that's a definition, but here is a description of love. Love suffers long. And it's kind. Boy, don't you put love and suffering together all the time. Yes, when it's biblical love. Because it means that you suffer and are patient with the people that you love. It's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Two sides of the same coin. One, an external, parading yourself around because internally you're puffed up. You're prideful. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Ooh. Human nature is that 
99% of the time we're seeking what is best for us even when we're doing something nice for someone else. But he says love does not seek its own. Is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Now listen, endures all things. Can, can I just quickly in passing tell you this? I have learned that when I am angry or bitter towards someone, the problem is not them or their actions, the problem is me. Now that doesn't mean they did right and that I shouldn't confront them if they did wrong. I should. But if I'm angry or bitter, the problem is not them, the problem is me. I've got to deal with this thing to where I love them to the point that I'm willing to bear all things, believe the best about them, hope all things, hope the best about them, and yes, endure whatever it is they throw at me. And return it with love. practice of love. And then he gives us the permanence of love. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they'll cease. Whether there's knowledge, it'll vanish away. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. I was a child. I spoke as a child. I, I, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now, I, I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Now abide. Faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. One day, your hopes will be fulfilled. One day, your faith will be sight. But for all of eternity, love is permanent. What about love? God's love for us. We love God. We love others. That's a pretty tall order of how to love others. But also, when we love God... 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Listen close. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. See, that, that's why I don't have to just rank on people about their sin. Because if I can help them understand the love of God... They'll want to run from their sin. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The more you love God, the less you will love the things of the world. The more you're passionate about God, the less you'll be passionate about all the things the world tells you you have to have. Beloved, 1 John 4, 7. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who is born of God knows God, and he who does not love does not really know God, for God is love. 
in this the love of God was manifested toward us that toward us that he God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might through or that we might live through him and this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and gave him his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means the sacrificial substitute for your sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How important is it that we love one another? How important is it that we love God? I'm convinced that if I could give you anything to carry with you over the next month, month and 10 days, if I could, if this was the last time I ever speak to you, and I could only give you one more thing, I am convinced that if I could get you to delve into the love of God, you would love Him deeper than you ever have. And if you loved Him deeper, everything else would begin to fall in place. How serious is the love of God? To understand His love and to return that love to Him. To be in a love relationship with God. See, most people in the world, yes, even most who claim to be believers in Christ, think of God simply as afar off and certainly He is transcendent. He is greater than all. But they really don't walk in a love relationship with God. How important is it to do that? To focus on the love of God every day and then to return that love to Him and wherever that leads. Well, listen to one final passage. Revelation chapter 2, he says, And to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hands and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you found them to be liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You're not walking in my love for you, and you're not returning that love for me. I've heard all kinds of sermons of people trying to figure out your first love or assign something to your first love. I've even heard people say, listen, evangelism is your first love. Folks, evangelism is not your first love. But if you understand the love of God and you love Him back, you will evangelize. I want you to read your Bible every day. But reading your Bible isn't the first love. 
I want you to pray every day. I want you to do well as students. I want you to do well in ministry practicum. I want you to do well in life. But nothing else is your first love. Your first love is God. And the only way to deepen that love for Him is to understand His love for you. You've left your first love. They believed right. They stood on the truth. They, 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 they would not, they would not uh, uh, stand for a second for compromise of the truth. They labored hard. You know, some people, some people will, will focus on the truth, but they actually won't do anything about it. But that wasn't the church at Ephesus. They not only stood firm on the truth, they persevered, they served God, they labored and they did it in the midst of persecution. That's why he, he says you, you have patience and you persevered. They've done what they were supposed to do. You can do everything you're supposed to do and miss out on the most important thing. Understanding the love of God and loving Him back. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This you have, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. But don't forget about your first love. You've stood firm. But you better repent or I'm going to close your church. Essentially is what he says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I'm going to give you 10 statements. If you normally would be taking notes, these are the 10 to write down. This is not an exposition. This is a scripture reading with a handful of comments. And now as some have done from history, when scripture was read but not expounded, Having read Scripture, a brief exhortation would be given at the end. Just to say, now, let's take all that Scripture and let's do something about it. So let me give you ten statements based on all these passages we've read. The more you understand how much God loves you, the more you will love God. I'll say it again. The more you understand how much God loves you, the more you will love God. Statement number two. The more you love God, the more you will want to obey God. Number three. The more you love God, the more you will want to avoid the things of the world. If the world is pulling on you, the answer is to deepen your understanding of the love of God. The more you love God, the more you will want to serve Him. The more you love God, the more you will love your brothers and sisters in Christ. The more you love God, 
the more you will love your family. The more you love God, the more you will love your neighbors. The more you love God, the more you will love the lost who do not know God. Are you ready? The more you love God, the more you'll love your enemies. Finally, the more you love God, the more you will recognize your need for His Spirit to empower you to love Him and everyone else to the fullest. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come back up and lead us in a couple of verses of Jesus paid it all one more time. It was amazing to me when they started singing that, how that ties in. I'm going to ask you, just before they lead us in that, to take one minute before God and go back where we started and say, Lord, help me to comprehend your love. And Lord, show me right now what I need to do in response to your love. Let's sing two verses of Jesus paid it all, and then I'll have a few closing comments. Oh, oh, to him. 
praise you. We thank you. Father, help us to love you. May your spirit just fill our lives in a way that we just automatically turn back that love to you. May your spirit empower us to love others, to love our brothers and sisters. Father, to to love a lost and dying world. Father, to love even our enemies. God, we thank you for your amazing love. Lord, it's the end of a semester. And Father, some that are standing right now know that they will be leading worship somewhere this weekend or the next or the next, sometime or maybe every week between now and the time we return together in January. Father, help us to be prepared every single time to lead in worship of you. Father, some standing right now know that they will be teaching in a small group or a Bible study somewhere this weekend. And some not this weekend, but the next or sometime between now and the time we return. Some will do it every week, some several times a week. Father, others know that they will be preaching Sunday or they'll be preaching sometime during this break. God, I pray that you would help every one of us as we teach or preach, as we lead small groups, as we lead Bible studies. Father, that we would not be about using that precious time for what we want. But Father, may we surrender it to you and your lordship and your word. And may we proclaim your word. 
not ours. And Father, that you would prepare us and help us to constantly be prepared and ready to do that. And Lord, that we would, as we deliver your word, God, that you would take it and use it in the lives of people in those small groups, in the Bible studies, in Sunday school, or in, in, a, in a gathered worship time, a special service, or, or a regular worship service, whatever it is. God, that you would prepare each one of those people to hear your word and to respond. Unbelievers that will hear the gospel and be saved. And Father, believers who will be drawn deeper into your love and responding to your love. And growing in their walk with you. And Father, there are those of us standing here right now that, that they don't know if they'll be having an opportunity to do any of those things. But God, you already know it. So prepare us for those un un unknown times that are before us in this break. And then Father, for, for all of us that are standing God, help us to always be ready to be instruments of your love. Whether it's in an individual one-on-one -on -one conversation or in some public way. Just use us, God, for your glory. So that others could know that you love us with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great break.